Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the Vancouver Life Real Estate Podcast and YouTube channel. Uh, We just mentioned that inflation numbers are out for the month of April and they actually just hit a 10-year high. Uh, This was a bit unexpected. Uh, It's a big number. Um, For reference, uh, we basically try to stay on track for about 2% per year. Right. And so, uh, although it is measured monthly to hit 3.4% really starts to skew things up. So this is measured by the consumer price index. And yeah, like I said, it was a 10 year high just last month. Um, in March, it was 2.2%. So it did a whole 1.2% increase in just one month. Now to kind of dig a little bit deeper into this, uh, and similar to what happened last month with, um, With housing sales, we do remember that April of 2020 was when basically the world being Canada for us shut down, right? That's when the, all the lockdowns happened and home sales stopped and and were like an all time low. And that's why based on what happened in April of 2021, it was up 340%. So a similar thing is happening here with um, inflation and the CPI, the consumer price index. April, it obviously lowered quite a bit. So seeing it jump 3.4% year over year is a bit understandable. Um, You know, especially when you take into effect things like gasoline prices were up like 63% over last year being April when again, not too many people were driving and then, you know, the flights were grounded, et cetera. So Bank of Canada trying to hit that 2% target, 3.4 raises some flags, um, but it's something that's going to be watched because it is coming off a low baseline. So the big question becomes then, is this going to remain high for the next few months and really change the outlook of what's going to happen with interest rates? Or is it going to kind of taper off um, and kind of become more of status quo for the rest of the year? Oh man, difficult, uh, difficult question to answer right now. Um, I think it's, I think, I think his um, year over year stats right now, I think when you look at March, when you look at April, when you're, when you're going to look at May, they're, they're all going to be, you got to take them all with a bit of a grain of salt here, because I think a lot of the stats in general are all going to be skewed. Um, There was a lot going on this time last year, right? So the baselines are going to be all strange. I mean, you could probably say that, you know, gasoline prices are up 62.5% you know, this April over last, I would say that toilet paper sales are down 62%, right? (laughs) So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, when you, when, when you look at kind of what's happened in the last year, it's been a strange year, right? So some of these stats are, are, are a little strange, but at the same time, you know, 3.4% to me, um, I can believe it though, that that's, I think where it kind of rings a bit of an alarm bell for me. You know what I mean? Um, we've got, we've got other ways to, to kind of, temperature check that too. I mean, when you, you know, you you look at lumber, for example, sheet of plywood was $34 this time last year. It's 108 now. Right. I mean, 
that tends to happen when inflation takes place. Right? So, yeah, exactly. you know, think, is it up? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, you know, is it, is it really up 3.4%? Is it up 3%? You know, it's, it's going to be difficult to tell right now because, you know, um, I get that it's 2.2 in March and 3.4 in April, which is, which is definitely a hike. Um, but, you know, if we're looking at it as a 10, you know, above a 10 year high, that's, that's where it kind of, you scratch your head for sure. I think too, the CPI for a lot of people is known to be a very, what's the good word for it? Uh, just not, not a perfect science <laughs> to say it nicely, right? It's a flawed <laughs> way of, of tracking inflation. And, um, like you said, Ryan, it, it doesn't take much just to leave your house and try to buy almost anything. And it certainly feels like it costs more than two or 3% than it did just one year ago, uh, lumber and, and gas being two very obvious, um, examples there right so if if 3.4 percent is what they're saying chances are and oh gosh i've even mentioned housing right up what 30 percent nationally here so and that's exactly. that's not even tracked within the cpi um so Strange, realistically though. yeah so exactly <laughs> so i think the fact that they're kind of showing that it's 3.4 and everyone else is saying it feels like a hell of a lot more. Well, again, we're going to see, uh, track this very closely. And, um, you know, again, how this evolves over like the next three to six months will really say a lot and be very important for the stance of the monetary policy over the next year or so. I think that's a really important point, Dan. Like the next three to six months in particular are going to be pivotal for how 2022 plays out in terms of interest rates, <clears throat> right? I mean, right now we're talking, we've heard from the Bank of Canada that the 2023 is, is the target for interest rate hikes. But, you know, if we continue on a, you know, a 1% kind of a month um, increase here, um, you could expect that to happen much sooner. That's it. And so, interestingly enough, right on the heels of that announcement of 3.4%, uh, Tiff Macklem, the governor of the Bank of Canada, came out and, and made a bit of a statement and uh, essentially saying that, look, we're seeing these 30% uh, appreciation rates in housing. And he wanted to make it very clear that that is not normal. Um, he just thinks that people may be buying homes and, and feeling comfortable with all these over-ask offers and going subject free because it looks like home prices are going to go up forever and at these astronomical rates. Um, so he kind of, uh, you know, made his point heard and said, look, don't over leverage um, and don't over utilize these ex like historically low interest rates because those aren't going to be around forever. Hint, hint. Yeah. I think, I think a lot, I think it's very important um, for our audience to understand that, the verbiage used by people like Tiff Macklin, it's, it's, it's very important there. This is like, you know, a warning shot across the bow. You have to take this very seriously. It's not something that um, you should sleep on, right? Um, it's not just some, someone coming out and saying, obviously 30% is, is too high. What that, he's, he's leading into that. He's trying to warn people that if it continues doing this, you know, the game plan is going to change, right? And that's how you should read that. You shouldn't read that any other way. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, personally. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. He's, he's not wrong, but it's also a bit of a contradictory statement from what happened just a year ago. Um, I guess first, I'll, I'll just share a bit of numbers here of why TIFF is, is kind mm -hmm. of raising these alarm bells and, and, you know, well too late in our opinion, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. But 
mortgages that are 450% loan to income ratio or higher, uh, the amount of those, it actually rose to about 22% of all mortgages by the second half of 2020. Um, is, that that, a big, is that a big rise, Dan? It is a big rise and it's currently at a record and it is higher than it was in uh, 2016, oh, wow. 2017, when we saw policies implemented, aka the stress test. So, so people are clearly leveraging themselves, right? People are taking advantage of, of historically low rates and buying as much as they can. Um, it's, also what they, it's also the whole point of it, right? Well, that's it. <laughs> the whole you point know, of dropping the rate is to get the stimulus going. So. 100%. And that's what I mean by it's a little bit contradictory yeah. for Tiff to say, because it was, yeah. you know, a, a short 12 months ago when he said, we're going to pin rates to the bottom for a minimum of two and a half years, three years, and go and buy stuff because we're going to make sure that you can. Um, they knew that quantitative easing was going to result in inflated asset prices. And here we are, right? We have a successful result to what they tried to implement. And now they're saying, well, slow down, slow down, slow down. We might, uh, people kind of got, I guess, a little out of control or used it more than they expected. And now they're trying to kind of really get in and say, look, we got to, we got to pull back on the spending right now. Well, when you look at the, when you, when you, when you look at CERB too, I mean, when you look at the amount of, um, money that went into the economy, the, the amount of money that got printed, Right. I mean, it was probably more than we've ever seen in recent history. And so, you know, this was bound to take place, I guess, you know, and I've said it in previous uh, episodes, you know, uh, it's the messaging that they, they kind of got, I don't think they got right here. Um, especially a year ago, they were very aggressive with their tone when they came out last year saying, Hey, you know, we are going to be, you know, pinned to the floor until 2023. Right. And so people, people went about buying in, in ways that reflected that, right? And now I think, um, I get it, they, they got to put the brakes on or they, at least in the next three to six months, depending on how the economy plays out, they may have to do something like that, right? Or make an announcement that will cool the economy. But I think, you know, another thing to consider here is that these announcements will have an impact on behavior, right? So that's why they come out with them. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, granted, we were basically in a once in a lifetime uncharted territory kind of scenario. So I think, you know, they did what they absolutely felt was right. And, you know, we, we will never know what an alternative looks like. And, um, yeah. you know, but understandably, you know, maybe that pendulum swung a little bit too far, you know, maybe a bit too much QE, interest rates a bit too low, a couple of promises that were a bit too bold. Uh, so sure, you know, reeling things in now that all the data's changed, it, it's understandable. You know, but it's, yeah, uh, it's and that's a that's assuming it goes on a three to six month trend in this direction too, right? Mm -hmm. We this is the trend I think they want to go, but it's got to sustain. So we'll see. But like you said earlier on, Dan, you know, the next three to six months are crucial. Yeah, exactly. I really think so. So interestingly, here we go, you know, with sort of the next step. So the inflation uh, 10 year high announcement comes out next day, Bank of Canada's warning about rates potentially rising. Uh, the day after that being today, which is now Friday, May 21st, uh, we learned that the sort of as expected, the new stress test proposal is going forward and is in going into effect on June the 1st which uh, essentially takes the uh, stress test from, what was it 4.79% up to five and a quarter percent. 
Uh, I think the thing that was maybe a little unexpected, though, uh, is that this change is applying to all mortgages, even those with less than 20% down payment, who also get to pay the CMHC insurance. And I don't think that's a bad move. I don't think that changes too much either, to be completely honest with you. Um, The change, I think, again, um, in terms of who it'll affect the most, I think that change will, will definitely affect the lower end of the market like we've talked about before. Those people will be affected the most by this mm-hmm. stress test change. Uh, but even even then, though, I don't think it'll be you know such a tremendous change that we're going to see much change in the market. I, I think that these are, again, more policy kind of statements to you know change buyer behavior and, and kind of cool where people's heads are at, right? And I think I think we'll see where it plays out. Yeah, of course, it's going to end up being uh, in all the headlines for the next couple of days here, likely. But ultimately, you know, this does reduce buying power by around four, four and a half percent. So really, it's don't stress about the stress test. It's yeah. not going to change things <laughs> too radically. Um, I did a little bit of uh, intel, though, here, because I was curious, you know, when people uh, apply for their mortgage, they get approved for X amount. And I thought, how many people out there are going out and buying at their absolute max, right? Let's say you're approved for a million bucks. How many people are buying at a million bucks compared to those that are buying for less, 800, 700, whatever that number is. Um, Mm -hmm. One very high profile uh, mortgage specialist that we work with a lot said it's about 85% of his book buy at the absolute peak of their buying power. Affordability. Wow. So it's, that plays into two things too. You know, well, that, that plays into, you know, what Tiff is saying about don't over leverage, you know, and, and yes, this is with stress tests already in place. So there is some buffer and safety net there. Um, but then too, it does say that, look, you know, maybe that four, four and a half percent will actually apply to the majority of new home buyers, which will ultimately result in a bit of a softening in prices. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I was I was actually surprised. I can I can, I can actually do, yeah, I mean that 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 85% number um that's a really important piece of data, right? And um I mean the one thing that that tells me it also speaks to the um the unaffordability element of living in Vancouver, right? The fact that property here is so expensive so it doesn't surprise me per se. Um but it is a higher number than I thought it would have been. Yeah, same. You know, yeah, people that's, that's are interesting, and 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 it's a bit of a bit of a something to pay attention to, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Because yeah, even though the banks do have stress tests in place, and we are being protected from ourselves, and uh, yes, the arrears rate is almost at all time low, and yes, the all time low was even lower when um, interest rates were much higher, eighteen twenty percent, and we even we actually saw a arrears rate that was lower than it is today. So other levers wow. can't be pulled, right? So know that as interest rates do rise in the future, that that's not going to be the do all and end all that determines pricing because other things can be done to affect it both up and down. Mm. <clears throat> okay. Well, let's um, get away from some of that scary stuff. <laughs> <laughs> And let's uh, let's talk maybe a little bit about some some reality here um, uh, about maybe the next three to f- three to six months in terms of what's going to happen and how we think maybe um, 
those months are going to play out in terms of, of the economy as a whole, because I think, um, uh, as you know, inoculations continue to go, we're looking at open borders coming soon. And I think that, um, that could be a bit of a game changer, right? I mean, Canada is, as we know, um, huge, has a huge and very aggressive immigration policy. You're looking at between 1.3 and 1.5 million people every three years, right? In terms of new permanent residents. So those immigration levels are expected to soar, right? And, um, I think that that will have a huge impact on the housing side of things too. Well, of course. But, it, I mean, tourism's, to, tourism's right? about to come back. Uh, restaurants, I yeah. think, we just heard, are, are actually allowed to reopen on Tuesday um, for indoor dining. That's going to change everything. Amazing. Uh, you know, the universities are going to open up again. International students will be coming back again. Um, yeah, this is going to change. I think it's going to happen very quickly. And as we touched on, you know, on a, on a number of earlier episodes, a lot of Canadians are sitting on more savings than they've ever had. And they're mm. likely itching to spend some of that. And when you can travel, you probably will. When you can dine out again and enjoy yourself, you know, a lot of people likely will. So, um, you know, when you're talking about the economy, Ryan, I think we're going to see a huge injection of, uh, of money spent and, uh, and a spike in the economic fundamentals there. Could be, could be like another Roaring Twenties. At least it has been predicted. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> until, until those curb <laughs> dollars are spent. But uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a very potential outcome of what can happen here in the next, uh, like you said, three to six months. And then what happens when the economy takes off? Yeah. I mean, it's a big, it's a, you know, at that point, you're going to see inflation get another bump, you know, another bump. It's going to have a lot of pressure again, and you're going to see interest rate controlling it's gonna be an interesting time for sure and uh, but i'm excited for the economy to come back i think that that's oh boy do we ever need that <laughs> um, yeah. you know what else we need apparently is uh, more homes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nice segue yeah, thanks <laughs> so very interesting article that uh, we came across and a, a bit of an eye-opener when you sort of hear it related to other countries, not really a surprise, but when you've got factual data to kind of quantify what you've been sort of hearing and feeling going on out there, it, it does um, exemplify sort of what we've been talking about and, and leads into or lends to why housing is so tight in Canada and why prices continue to go up. And essentially the, the headline there is that Canada has the lowest number of homes per capita of any G7 country. Wow. So, okay, t tell me what, like, how many homes per, what, 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 what's the number? Yeah, okay, so the average for your G7 countries is 471 homes per every 1,000 people. And right. Canada is well below that at 424 homes per 1,000 people. Interesting, wow. So, so what well, would that... Yeah, I guess, you know, while maybe what uh, the 47 home difference, maybe it doesn't sound that different or, or that much lower. Well, th think of it like this. Uh, Canada right now, today, would need to build another 1.8 million homes just to equal the G7 average. That's a big number. Sorry, I shouldn't. I shouldn't <laughs> laugh. That's a big problem. But it's so it's so ridiculously out of whack that there's just no way we could ever build anything like that in one one year or even. God, it would probably take ten years. 
Yeah, I mean, well, this it year would take a on, long time. I mean, well, for sure. I mean, you got to think if well, this year Canada's on track, which is for like a record number of housing starts at like two hundred and eighty thousand. Wow. So now, if zero new people entered the country, whether it's from birth or immigration or anything, if zero new people came to Canada, it would take six and a half years of building at this record pace just to equal the average of the rest of the G7 countries. Wow. So uh, my, my joke of 10 years really wasn't off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing, right? We're like, we're now trying to get what record immigration into Canada of 400 plus thousand yeah. people per year and growing every year. So the discrepancy is going to take a long time to catch up. Let's just say that. Mm. And again, like, you know, we've touched on on previous episodes. It sounds like this is by design. Right. This is on purpose. Yeah, I, it has to be. I mean, it's the only way you continue to keep interest like, interest rates low, grow the economy. You got to bring people in into your economy in order to keep that sort of equation moving. Right. Mm-hmm. It's if you're if you're going to continue pushing price on something that has supply and demand, you have to have more demand than supply. So this speaks to that. Right. Mm-hmm. It yeah. certainly feels like it to me. You know, um, I mean, we've got a note here that says that there is 2.7 people for every home in Canada right now. Yeah. There's that's it. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> that, yeah. That's I crazy. Mean, you know, uh, and then you got to think too, with these 400,000 immigrant target that they have for even this year, which they're still trying to stick to, even though we're halfway through the year, almost that's another 148,000 homes needed just to maintain status quo, which is well below average. Hmm. Well, and, and interestingly, so that kind of speaks and is really actually a good entry into our next piece, which is a little bit of a follow-up on, on last week, because um, last week we talked about uh, the median and average price of homes. Um, and I believe that they were down by about 60,000 at the start of the month. Is that, it was around, around 60,000, right, Dan? Yeah, we, we definitely struck a nerve with this last video uh, where we talked about home prices going down in Vancouver, which, again, looking at the median and average, they are going down for the first time, really, in about 20 months. And yeah, Ryan, you're right. Uh, median price was down like 53,000 bucks just last week, right? So yeah. the first two weeks in May. Um, we definitely thought we'd follow up because I'm sure everyone's curious where it's gone now because things are clearly moving quickly. Um, it has recovered a little bit of that price decrease. The median this week is now down $37,000. Hmm. So that's, that's, that's yeah. Yeah. But that's much better recovery though. Right. So it's yeah. a bit, I mean, yeah, but I mean, you're going to come, uh, you know, last month was, well, the month before last month was all time highs, right? So we're mm-hmm. just coming off of all time highs. So, you know, and like we talked about, you know, the foot is coming off the accelerator. We're not seeing, you know, a massive shift in the market or anything like that. We have noticed that the market is cooling and this speaks to that. We didn't talk about it dropping, right? So, you know, the cooling effect is taking a place and I'm actually quite happy to see that we've had a little bit of price recovery um, from where we were at the start of the month. I think it's a bit more sustainable on that rate to continue, right? Yeah, I mean, it was down 6% in the first two weeks and that's a little bit too much. You know, we don't want to see it drop off that quickly because again, just like people maybe made some irrational decisions when it was going up too fast, people may do the same when it goes down too fast. 
Mm. So mm, good point. Yeah. Uh, and then average, average last week was down about $41,000 month or yeah. For in the first two weeks of May, that's now down about $28,000 for three weeks of May. So still down, not down as much as two weeks ago or one week ago, rather. Um, and we've got five trading days left in the month. So we are going to end up down for the month of May, uh, both median and average prices. HPI, again, lagging indicator, it will show up higher um, a little bit for probably a month or two more. But uh, again, median and average is telling the story, and especially that sales to active listings ratio, which uh, don't have an update for you this week, but it was really down last week. And uh, it's one that mm-hmm. seems to really dictate future prices um, quite accurately. Yeah, and I think if if we just speak anecdotally for a second about maybe the last couple of weeks in real estate, um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's been cooler. Um, that being said, though, um, prop, property that is well priced, not property that is even aggressively priced, or property that is outrageously priced, is a different question. But aggressively priced and priced to market, we are still seeing a ton of activity. A lot of people moving in, into these properties, and and that's from you know the 500k and up to the up to the 1617 range. It's still pretty bananas um, in many many different areas. Um, but like we said, there's just more supply right now, so there's a little buyers are a bit more spread out, and the pace is the pace is off a little bit, which generally speaking for buyers is a good thing. There you go. That's where things are trending right now. Um, so everyone, I think that wraps it up for us today. Thank you always so much for watching and listening. We uh, really appreciate everyone who is yeah, subscribing. So please join this video. Um, the last one really kind of did some, some uh, fascinating numbers that we're super thankful for. And, and YouTube started uh, promoting yeah. us a bit there. Uh, and that's thanks to people like you that are subscribing. So uh, please keep that up and we'll continue to do everything we can to bring you incredibly timely and important Vancouver real estate information. Hey guys, we'll see you next week. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.